Hey, Rufus, you know, this episode is brought to all of our wonderful listeners by our exciting new partner, Splash Sports, which is the leader in peer-to-peer sports contests. So I know that you have been, but I know that you are the sort of alumnus of being like that kid that had all the March Madness brackets out. Did you tabulate those by hand? I was grading them in the back of my calculus class. It was, I thought, I thought that Mr. Did you have to use calculus to grade them? I didn't, I thought he didn't realize. And when I asked him to write a college recommendation for me, he asked if I, he should, if he should talk about me grading March Madness brackets in the back of the class. Did you actually like have to collect the money in those or were those, you know, for, for fun? Yeah, no, you had to collect money. I don't know. It was like 20 bucks. So it's a pain, right? As the commissioner to do that. And this is before like probably PayPal and all that kind of stuff, right? Correct. Well, Splash Sports is a platform built by the group that owns Run Your Pool, an office football pool that is changing office pools forever, taking all the same games that we've always played, Survivor, Pick'em, Golf, One and Done, which we're going to do for this golf season, which is exciting. You have the ability to, to basically take the commissioner work out of the commissioner. They let you enter contests with the debit card, a credit card, PayPal, Venmo, ACH, all that kind of stuff. And as a commissioner, it takes all the administrative work out of managing the contest. If you haven't tried it, you should. The product is beautiful. And you can download the Splash Sports app and compete against us and Bud Elliott at splashsports.com slash BTPCFB. There's 50K in prize money there in addition to bragging rights for beating Rufus and I. So with that, let's start the process. Bet, 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 bet the process. Bet, bet. Bet the process. Welcome to the podcast. Bet the process. It's not that typical cookie cutter nonsense. If you came just for picks, you're in the wrong place. Find a talent with the narrative to make a strong case. Instead of blindly assuming a team must be tanking, we're looking for the edge of Massey Peabody rankings. Crunching all the numbers in a simulated system that break down the data analytically driven. Media coverage of sports gambling is pathetic. Welcome to another episode of the Bet the Process podcast where Rufus is playing under the weather. And he's really doing a good job um, being a trooper. Uh, Rufus, how was Southeast Asia besides the fact that you got food poisoning and you're drinking Pedialyte like it's your J-O-B? I, I don't know what I got, but it you know isn't great. Um, it was fun. It was I was there like two weeks, which I was ready to come home by the end. So it's, it's a long flight back too. So it's good to be back in my own bed, even if I am basically in my bed all day today. So as a professional sports better on vacation, and I know that you guys do a fair amount of college basketball, like how is, how are you managing that process? And like, are you really on able to enjoy vacation? It looked like you were from this, from the photos that I saw on Instagram, but how do you guys manage that? Well, it wasn't a true vacation. Actually, the purpose of us going there was business related. And we got a little bit of vacation at the end. We had five nights on this island um, called Shargao in the Philippines. But the the 12 hour different, 13 hour difference actually does make it difficult. So we had like Tom had to stay up late a number of days to help uh, trade college basketball stuff. And so, you know, he's up till he's up at 2 a.m. It's 1 p.m. on the East Coast. And we're, you know, on a, on a college basketball Saturday, we're you know, betting a ridiculous amount of games and a ridiculous amount of money. And so it's too much for one person to do. So, so that definitely was a challenge. And I think it's going to be a lot better now that we're all back on the sort of same time zone, or at least within a time zone of each other. 
Nice. Uh, but, what do you, what's your point of view on this? What are you going to do on these college games? Because we're about to do a big preview. And obviously when you, we did this, I don't know, last week where we went through the games, your numbers are way off, right? On right, most right. Of these I mean, games. And, and it's, and because it's not just it's, my numbers, Jeff. It's, it's like basically all sure. the quant power rating systems numbers are really, really far off on some games. And Bud really does a good job of explaining why, whether it be injuries, opt-outs, transfers motivation it's mostly it just let, let's not even talk about motivation right it's mostly no, right. I mean, the because the motivation right stuff i'm totally fine betting against the motivation right. narrative i don't care right. about that i care about the talent that's playing the game and so i think that that's the most difficult thing and knowing how much do you downgrade a team that lost or that has four offensive starting offensive linemen out like that's a lot and that that's a pretty big so cluster. i mean what are you what are you as a better who does not specialize in the stuff that Bud does. And even Bud, like, I mean, obviously, like he, it's going to be far from perfect. Like this is a classic wisdom of the crowds probably is smarter than any individual. Like, what are you going to do? Uh, you know, we haven't fully decided. I think we're going to play some things, but, it, you know, where we are not as much taking a stand on our ability to evaluate some injury, but we're able to say, okay, we were some, not injury, but transfer players out. But there will be situations where we can say, there's no way in hell this is worth eight points here. Right. So I think that's part of it. I also think that with bowl games, you do see a lot of line moves and I think a lot of overreaction sometimes. And as I think I said the previous week, we've historically done pretty well with bowl games, in essence, fading. But you, but but Rufus, but it's different now with all the transfers. I've never dealt with this. This is like, this is next yeah. level. This is something is. that you never dealt with before. Right. Because before in the past, if you were to transfer, you have to sit out a year. And so you didn't have all these transfers, all the NIL. No, money. It's, it's not the, tra- it's not the, tra- it's the, it, the transfers are not even what I'm talking The opt outs. We have never, like, we just went through it and you guys are going to hear it. I mean, last year you had a bunch too. Not to this I, degree. Yeah. I, I mean, you're, every year, you're like 13 points more. off 13, 10, seven point. Like I know the bowl game. The funny mean... thing, the funny thing is like during the regular season, it's not like, like my number is within the market is within a few points of the market number, almost, you know, on 90% of the games. I mean, I'm, I'm telling you what I observed as someone that's done, been doing this with you for a while. This is a new world we're entering yeah. in for these bowl games. So it's, to it's, say like, right, it's hard you've to done well yeah. in the past. Is is probably not a fair. I think you've done really well betting against motivation narratives for right? sure, for sure. Which I think we would we would agree is a very good place to make money in the bowl games, where a market, again, like if you go back to the Ed Miller, Matt Davidow, the book, and like where do you, you know, like how do you beat markets? Well, if if the market's wrong or overreacts, and you have a like, and, and there is a, a fair amount of public money in these bowl games. But now this this idea of of you know quantifying all of these opt outs and whatnot. I mean, I guess it's again like, do people end up overreacting to some of these things? And does someone like you know like some of the stuff that Bud was saying? Because obviously, quarterback is the most important thing. Like, do some of these quarterbacks are they better? Or were they going to show anyways? Like, does it matter that you know certain quarterbacks are out because that they were going to probably be replaced anyways? And where they're excited about this backup coming in because yeah exactly like next year i mean as bud tells us like the depth there's differing degrees of depth with different teams even in the power five programs yeah all right well anything else on this before we bring bud in no i i think let's get to bud 
I mean, as, as we mentioned, like you guys can play along with us in this bowl competition brought to you by splash sports. It's at splashsportscom slash BTP CFB. And, um, let's bring Bud in and, uh, we'll talk to you guys all again next week. Cause the Bud interview goes pretty long. We now welcome in Bud Elliott again to the bet the process podcast to get us through the rest of the bowl season. But before we jump into the post Christmas bowls, but I was going to ask you a little bit about, you know, obviously when you record a preview of bowl games very early in the bowl season, like we did last week, things are subject to change. So I had a few questions to ask, and then I'm not sure if there were any things that, that jumped out at you. One app state went through six. Um, that was five and a half and looked like it was trending down. Uh, what happened there? I, I think that's mainly app not having a lot of uh, big time opt outs and Miami, Ohio. I think the market being a little more conscious of, of them actually being on a third string Mac quarterback. You know, I know we talked about last episode. How much do you really want to downgrade Miami? O because their quarterback already was not a good player. So, and they're not really quarterback reliant, uh, but that's my thought as far as why that one really moved. And then UCLA, which we talked about being in a who cares spot against Boise, that line was trending down. Now it's back up to UCLA minus four. Uh, how about that? Yeah. So I think the main two factors there, uh, one Boise's quarterback, like we now know he's definitely not going to play in the game. This was one of the situations where depending on what kind of offers he got in the market, like could he come back and play? And that's a real big, big deal because if you guys recall, their second stringer is out with an injury. So you're going from a possibility, although an unlikely possibility uh, of the starter playing Taylor Green, he's actually going to go play for Arkansas with Bobby Petrino as their new OC. So that means Boise is definitely running a third string freshman at QB. And on the UCLA side, we haven't got the notification of some of the possible opt-outs for the Bruins on the defensive side. And there is a chance that Garbers, the starting quarterback, plays. So a little more positive injury and opt-out news for UCLA and just some some certainty on the Boise side in the negative direction. Do you have any thoughts on UCLA's motivation in that game? Obviously, at home, right? You'd think there'd be some motivation there. Like, you just kind of wake up and you're like, I'm going to play at home and, and prove, like, do you any any thoughts there? Because four seems, given everything we talked about, four seems a little short if – unless UCLA is incredibly undermanned. Like if I knew Garbers was going to play and Garbers would play effectively and and is is healthy, I totally agree it's short. Uh, But remember, if he doesn't play or if he's not 100%, they're going with their third stringer because Dante Moore, the backup, uh, is already in the transfer portal and and has already left the program. So, yeah, I I agree. If like I knew they were actually motivated and cared and I knew exactly who was playing for, uh, seems it does seem short. But I, I haven't bet it yet just because, I mean, you could be essentially running a third-string QB who's much more of a runner than a thrower. And to me, Boise's weakness this year has been on the outside uh, defending the pass. They've actually been fairly decent against the run. So maybe a not-super-motivated UCLA team running the ball a whole lot against the okay run defense in Boise is not not really something I'm just you know dying to get to the window with. Have you played any of the early games um, like that we talked about? Yeah, uh, so I have played, um, I played UTSA, and that moved quite a bit. Uh, I played Troy, uh, that moved 
as well, although not a ton because their quarterback or their, excuse me, their coach ended up taking uh, the job at Tulane. Uh, and I played Air Force, uh, which has also moved, uh, actually moved uh, some spots through the three, uh, but three and a half and three, I thought, you know, were, were solid numbers given all the guys <clears throat> who James Madison has out. And I played San Jose, which is actually, I, I think, still playable. Um, I mean, to me, Coastal's losing multiple Power 5 starters over a team that was considerably worse than they were in 22. 10's um, the last number I would play there, though. All right. Rufus, have you played anything? No, limits are pretty low at this point, so we we haven't played anything yet. Did you just shit on Bud there in his in his uh No, his I mean I kind of feel like you did. Well, no, maybe I, he has, he has more college football outs maybe. I know, right? Know. Okay. What's the college basketball? No, that's let's true. uh let's jump in let's jump into the post Christmas bowls. We'll start with the quick lane bowl which is uh Bowling Green getting 4 and the total is 38 and a half against the Golden Gophers of Minnesota, who are five and seven. So they're got like a special dispensation to be in this. Rufus, what do you make this game? Um, I make it Minnesota minus six and a half with the total of before weather 44. I, I, I made this well, higher uh, during the regular season. Did, did Rufus freeze? Well, Rufus is just talking about the wet weather in Ford Field again. So, oh, uh-oh. Sure. <laughs> I, well, I just haven't put in, yeah. So you probably don't we, need to put in weather. I mean, you clearly. could probably put in but my, my, my point is that was, that was a number independent of weather. And so I'll let you know if a weather, a game, well, actually the only games we're using weather effects right now are ones like within are ones that are outside. <laughs> well, yes, but you get my point. If you're playing bet the process bowl game, bingo, uh, that the <laughs> Rufus side weather in a dome is, is, uh, is kind of the free square. Uh, so, I had this higher with Minnesota during the regular season. I think if you kind of harken back to the first episode, I'm lower on the Mac in general than, than Rufus is, and I think that probably explains the gap there. I'm not a field goal, but it seemed like about two, two and a half points lower on some of these Mac teams in general. There are some important opt-outs to know here, though, for this one. Uh, Minnesota is going to be down to like QB two and a half. I don't really want to say QB three fully because I don't think there's any real difference between the backup and a third stringer, to be frank. Uh, so Kramer, I think he could play a little bit opt-out watch for Tyler Newbin, who's one of the best safeties in the country for Minnesota. If we care about that, I think both these teams are probably fairly motivated to make a bowl game, to be honest, and, and to go. Like Minnesota didn't have super high goals for this season. P.J. Fleck, I don't know what he tells these kids, but I think his teams have zero no-shows in bowls. Like They do seem to show up and play hard and uh, – I'm not saying that they're always going to cover, but I, I don't think that there will be a no show here. Maybe they, maybe they just don't care anymore. I, who knows? The uh, DC for Minnesota did just leave though for Michigan State. So again, not a head coach type situation. I don't think that matters a ton. And Bowling Green had a bunch of guys banged up in the secondary in the season finale, so that would matter a little more if Minnesota even attempted to throw the football, but they generally uh, don't care to do so. All right, we're going to move on to the Serve Pro First Responder Bowl, which is Rice uh, getting four and a half from the Texas State team that was kind of up and down all season and total 60 and a half. Rufus, what do you make this? So this is one where Texas State was, I think, the team that had the second most transfers this year. Is that right? Or transfers in. And so we've been a little bit low on them and that kind of continues right now. Like the number just... 
but but actually our no prior number is pretty similar. So we actually make rice a four and a half point favorite before accounting for any of these opt-outs and stuff like that. So, but I'm sure you can tell me why why the number is where it is. Interesting. So Daniels, I, I, right? Yeah, D- Daniels is uh it is out. Um so with with Daniels, I I think I would probably be betting some rice here, but without like he I thought he played extremely well this year, sort of out of nowhere. Like he wasn't great with with, with the Mountaineers or you know, prior to that uh at, at Georgia, obviously. But I made this Texas State four and fifty nine and a half. So I'm I'm really right on market. No real significant opt outs as far as new stuff from you know the end of the season for either team so far. Uh, maybe we'll get some some more portal news. Probably unlikely on the Texas State side because again, if you've already transferred once, you're not eligible to transfer again until you graduate. So because Texas State is built almost entirely of transfers, I think the odds that they have a lot of transfers out are are lower. Okay, moving on to the guaranteed rate bowl, which is UNLV uh, getting 12 and a half from Kansas and the total 64 and a half. Rufus, what do you make this? So I make this one Kansas minus 16 and a half with the total of, of 60.6. I'm having trouble getting there to this number. I, I understand it. I, I thought UNLV played pretty well this year and I, I, you know, I was finding myself adjusting them down the stretch and then they ended up, you know, not playing very well in the final two ball games. I, I think Kansas is, is a, is a pretty good team. I'm a little bit lower here than Rufus is. I, but I, I understand why your number is what it is. Like Kansas doesn't have a whole lot of really bad games that they've competed at, at a pretty high level. Um, you know, UNLV, I, I think they'll be pretty happy to play in this one. Their coach didn't leave, right? It, it, I'm assuming their quarterback's going to stay. So uh, at this point, I, I understand why you're there. Well, but actually a big reason I'm there is, is priors. And we were pretty low on UNLV going into the season. If you made the number just based on this year's play, it would be 10.7. Okay. Yeah, that, that's makes sense. Yeah. Priors still matter even in bowl games. Yeah. Okay. Moving on to the military bowl, which is Virginia Tech giving seven and a half to Tulane. The total is 46 and a half. Okay. So I, I make this Virginia Tech minus two and a half with the total of 46. Um, it's like Pratt so, not playing or something, I would assume. Why is that line so high? Probably. Pratt's not announced out yet, but I think a lot of people anticipate that he won't play. The important thing here is that there are like six other starters for Tulane uh, who are not playing. So starting receiver Chris Braswell, uh, starting safety, both of their defensive ends, they're starting tight end. Also, if Pratt doesn't play, they're on QB3 because Kai Horton, the quarterback, already hit the portal uh, for Tulane. I'm assuming he won't play, but again, it's a brand new coaching staff. Well, it's essentially an an interim coaching staff because Tulane's head coach uh, left for Houston already, which I think also feeds into the notion that Pratt probably doesn't play because like the head coach is already gone and six other starters. And we have some injury stuff to track here. So Lawrence Keyes and Jaquan Jackson, the other two starting receivers, uh, also were hurt uh, in the, uh, the conference title game. So there is some chance that Tulane's down all three of their starting receivers are starting tight end, both DNs and their quarterback. Whereas the Hokies, I think, are pretty motivated to make a bowl game and to play in the bowl game after missing last year. And they have basically zero important opt-outs. And and they definitely improved down the stretch once they made the quarterback change. All right, moving on to the Dukes-Mayo Bowl, which is West Virginia giving five and a half to UNC with a total of 56 and a half. 
So this is one where I'm pretty high on North Carolina. So the, the actually the no prior number on North Carolina is minus one and a half. The with prior number is North Carolina minus four and a total that's much higher than the market too, which I'm guessing is going to be due to some quarterback injury stuff, but that total is 67 and a half. So I, I was using uh, five and 64 uh, to, to end the year, but that's the Mountaineers had a couple injuries uh, down the stretch. North Carolina, I, I thought was Drake May. It's hard to make them a lot less than uh, than like like a you know a a top twenty five ish team. So North Carolina has a ton of important players out for this ball game. Uh, NFL draft wise, linebacker Cedric Gray, uh, Miles Murphy, who I think could play in the bowl game, but Tez Walker is one of the best receivers in the conference. Starting center Corey Gaynor, who again one of the best players in the league, and Drake May, who could be like the top quarterback chosen in the NFL draft. And then they also have uh, some important injuries to watch. So Nate McCollum, uh, he missed the last game of the year. He's their other starting receiver, starting corner, uh, another starting receiver in Bryson Nesbitt. I, I also like their starting tight end. I don't know if those guys are going to play, but I mean, you're talking about half of the starting lineup for the Tar Heels potentially out as well as like, maybe the best draft prospect at quarterback in the country. Whereas West Virginia has almost no starters out. I think they're really motivated to make and play in a bowl game because they missed last year and they were actually picked to finish last in their league. And it was a whole kind of thing this year. We'll, we'll show you guys type deal. So I, I think if we want to read in motivation edges, I think West Virginia is probably a little more, a uh, little more happy to be there. And uh, they're definitely much closer to full strength than UNC is. All right, moving on to the DirecTV Holiday Bowl, which is uh, Louisville, let's see here, giving 7.5 to USC with a total of 57.5. So my number here, obviously, is going to be, is not factoring in Caleb Williams not playing, so it's going to be very, very high on USC, and it is a pick with a total of 63. I I was actually uh, a little higher on Louisville here already. I, I thought they were a, a pretty good team. And this year, I was looking to bet the cards um, when they weren't facing big-time defensive lines because I, I thought they could find a way to score points if, if they could block it up at all. We, we kind of saw that in the ACC championship game uh, and in a few other games for them this season. Caleb Williams is a huge deal, uh, obviously. So I think he's worth quite a bit. Louisville, to this point, doesn't have any meaningful opt-outs that I've seen. Now, I haven't heard on, on Jamari Thrash, their best receiver, and I haven't heard on running back Jamar Jordan or Jawar Jordan, rather. So, like that, those are two guys you do need to watch because those are some of your, you know, touchdown scorers, so to speak, with Louisville. But I, I think Louisville's just a better team than USC, even with Caleb in and with Caleb out. I, I think they're considerably better. Is he related to James Thrash? I don't know. The former wide receiver for Washington, as well as other teams. Oh, I remember. Yeah, teams yeah. Player also. It, it's okay. interesting when you see these names, like, and it's like, okay, this might, it, it's been long enough. This could be the son of this former NFL player. I hadn't thought about that. Okay. Is he, could we'll be. find out. Is James Thrash from Georgia? Uh, I don't know. Cause that, that's, that's where Jamari's from. Okay. All right. We're going to move to the Tax Act Texas Bowl, which is Texas AM giving three points to Oklahoma State and the total of. 53 and a half. Okay. So my power ranking numbers make this Texas A&M minus 11 with a total of 52 and a half. That's with priors, I assume? 
Yes. Okay. And I, and we know the whole Jimbo Fisher and all that. Um, without priors, it would be minus 9.2. At the end of the season, I, I was making this pick uh, just with all of the guys who were out for Texas A&M. Like midseason, it would have been much closer to Rufus's number, but the Aggies have been been bleeding players for for quite some time here. So uh, I, I don't want to over adjust from where I was, you know, to end the season. But a lot of really important guys are out for Texas A&M here. So starting defensive lineman Fadil Diggs is out. Uh, starting defensive lineman Walter Nolan is out. Like those are two of the most premier players in the transfer portal. Uh, their backup LT Overton also out. Uh, they've got a bunch of dudes who play for them at DB who have like said they're going to be in the portal, but are not officially in the portal yet. So it could be a thing like, are you really going to go to the portal or is this sort of a, a ploy to get uh, you know more NIL money from your collective to come back? So I'm kind of interested to watch that. A&M has a coaching change. So, uh, you know, we'll see how motivated they really are for this bowl game. Oklahoma State has very few opt-outs who matter. Jaden Bray is a receiver who's played a lot for them. He's in the portal, but but other than that, I mean, we got to monitor Ollie Gordon, who's you know, obviously really, really good player, uh, the running back. And then I guess in theory, like I'm still watching Colin Oliver, but I, I kind of like Oklahoma State here. It, it just AM's down a lot of guys. Well, I was like thinking like, oh, AM seems like a good play here, but you just talked me through it because it seems like Oklahoma State like overperformed all season to what their ratings were. We'll move on to the Wasabi Fenway Bowl, uh, which is SMU giving 11 to BC with a total of 51. Rufus, what do you make this? Is it at Fenway Park? It is. I would assume yeah. so, yes. But So I'm not giving any hope bit advantage to BC here, but I make it... Um, there is weather there, Rufus. It's not a SMU dome. minus 15 and a half. Total of 55 pre-weather. I was SMU 10 in the year. There are really not many players out for either team uh, seem to matter. Preston Stone, the quarterback, was already out for SMU because he he tore his uh, broke his leg, tore some kind of leg injury in the, the regular season finale. But honestly, the backup played uh, Jennings played extremely well uh, for them against Tulane, I thought. So should have a pretty full strength SMU team. Not many important guys out for Boston College who already weren't out down the stretch, but their secondary did get beat up pretty well down the stretch. I I kind of think this game is is fairly well-priced, but I, I can understand if people want to bet SMU, just the, the momentum of kind of how their season progressed compared to what Boston College was in the last few games um, is, is kind of telling. Okay, moving on to the bad boy mowers pinstripe bowl, which is at Yankee Stadium. Outdoor also, Rufus. Uh, Miami is giving one and a half to Rutgers. Miami minus 11, total 43. Yeah, I was uh, nine and a half and 38. Pretty pretty similar to what Rufus had there. Miami has a lot more opt-outs than Rutgers does. Rutgers, I think, will be extremely excited to play in a bowl game. They haven't been in, you know, quite a while in terms of getting six wins. They did have the one year where they were five and seven, and they were, they were one of the uh, replacement teams and, and i think the game against wake forest or whomever it was i think that was the covid year they don't really have any important opt-outs with the exception of their corner max melton who's a you know, pretty good player miami has a ton uh, so starting quarterback tyler van dyke he committed to wisconsin last night uh, colby young who's a starting receiver he's he's in the transfer portal uh, 
two edge players who play some, but not a ton in, in Harvey and Williams, but I don't think those guys matter a ton. Now, Ja'Curry Brown is expected to be the starting quarterback. He is a QB3. I would expect this to be a lot more QB run than you would normally see out of Miami. He's a very mobile kid. When they've used him, at times it's sort of been Wildcat-esque. So I, I think your script here is a lot of quarterback run from both sides. So I, I definitely think, uh, yeah, a, a whole lot of running. Opt-outs for Miami do matter, though, on the defensive side. Cam Kenshins and James Williams, who are two of the top safeties in the draft, both have opted out, as well as starting to tackle Leonard Taylor, who's a pretty impact player. And we'll see about Matt Lee, their starting center. I think he's off to the NFL, but I haven't seen if he's going to opt out or not. Like, I would bet under here if I had reasonable confidence that both that both defenses cared and like wanted to show up and tackle, because I do think the run rates and the tempo are going to play to an under. I just... I mean, do we think Miami cares about this game? I I don't know. Like the the vibes that you get with all the guys hitting the portal and with how much they're focused on recruiting. I, yeah. Also, the field here last year is probably the worst field I've ever seen in a college ball game. It was disgusting. Worse than Fenway? Dude, yeah. Like m- yeah. much worse. Go, go watch that Minnesota-Syracuse game. It's like this is this is an embarrassing playing service. It's interesting because you'd expect the, the the baseball stadiums to maybe have some commonality there. That's true. Okay. We now welcome in Bud Elliott again to the Bet the Process podcast to get us through the rest of the bowl season. But before we jump into the post-Christmas bowls, but I was going to ask you a little bit about, you know, obviously when you record a preview of bowl games very early in the bowl season, like we did last week, things are subject to change. So I had a few questions to ask, and then I'm not sure if there were any things that that jumped out at you. One, App State went through six. Um, that was five and a half and looked like it was trending down. Uh, what happened there? I, I think that's mainly App not having a lot of uh, big-time opt-outs and Miami, Ohio. I think the market being a little more conscious of, of them actually being on a third-string MAC quarterback. You know, I know we talked about last episode – how much do you really want to downgrade Miami O because their quarterback already was not a good player? So, and they're not really quarterback reliant. Uh, but that's my thought as far as why that one really moved. Move to the Pop Tarts Bowl, which is Kansas State giving three to NC State with a total of 47 and a half. I remember when the Bulls were like, you know, the Gator Bowl and the Citrus Bowl. And now it's like the Pop Tarts Bowl and the, I don't know. Yeah. Okay, so I make Kansas State minus eight and a half. The no priors is minus five and a half and the total of 48. Yeah, I, I was nine and 46, so pretty close to Rufus uh, overall. Kansas State does have more opt-outs here, as you would expect with, with you know this much uh, line variance from, from where we have it. Uh, Kansas State, starting quarterback Will Howard, who I don't think is that big of a deal because they really like Avery Johnson, and I think they they plan to start Avery Johnson next season. So I wouldn't downgrade the Wildcats space on the quarterback, but Phillip Brooks starting receiver, Ben Sinot, who's probably going to be super annoying on the 49ers somehow next year. He's like a real versatile tight end who uh, blocks his ass off. And then also multiple starters in the secondary uh, for Kansas state are out. Uh, one of their top DNs is out. Cooper baby is one of the best guards in the country. Still seeing if he's going to opt out. So I don't know on that one. Uh, I'm trying to see if anything else is on my sheet here. Oh, and they've had uh, 
they've had a couple defensive linemen who were hurt down the stretch as well that we have to watch for. So that largely explains the move. Kent or uh, NC State has very few guys who matter who are out. Honestly, like just their starting nose guard, as far as I can tell. All right. Moving also, on the winner the gets to eat a giant Pop Tarts mascot. Have you guys seen this? Really? Yeah, it's really yeah. I like can handicap that. Like the mascot suit is made out of a Pop Tart. And like the the winning coach is going to take a bite out of it. Do we know what flavor? I would guess it's strawberry, right? What flavor is it? No. Like if you got have one on pop tart right committee. now, well, we'd like I'd like to know. Like what 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 is it? Because like honestly, like it's a big difference between different pop tarts, right? Like I I'm a big brown sugar and cinnamon or brown sugar pop tart guy. What what's your pop tart of choice? Yeah, I think there's like two categories, right? So we have like the ones that are clearly clearly dessert. You know, cinnamon, s'mores, that kind of stuff. And then like the ones you yeah. can sort of sort of lie to yourself about, right? Where it's like, oh, it's fruit. Well, even though it's, you know, not <laughs> real fruit. How do right? you lie to yourself about a Pop Tart? Like no. Pop Tarts as a as a as a dad, which I know you are, yeah. Pop Tarts are the perfect example of the arbitrary designation of something being okay to eat for breakfast. It's like and ice cream not being okay, or yeah. like cake not being okay. Like yeah. breakfast is the consummate, like uh you know, the, the actual meal that we should all feel like hypocrites about in life. Well, this were you guys allowed to eat sugary cereals growing up? Of course not. Come on. Yeah, some, but not like, not like every single day. Yeah. I mean, those are like dessert, basically. It's yeah, like candy. Exactly. What's like dessert? Like uh, sugary cereals? Yeah. yeah. Like Lucky Charms well, I mean, is not really a great breakfast. Yeah, Lucky Charms. You know, for like, I mean, it's delicious, but yeah. We were over at a friend's house the other day and, and they had bought two huge things of Captain Crunch and Captain Crunch berries. And they were like, do you guys want these? Our kids don't like them. And I was like, yeah, we want them. Yeah. I always love frosted mini wheats. Delicious. Those okay. Good. Those are just this, the right uh, amount of sweetness. This podcast is not brought to you by Kellogg's or anything. It's actually brought to you by Splash Sports. Would be nice time to announce our bowl game, which is uh, Splash Sports uh, slash BTP CFB, where you can kind of jump on and compete against us. And we're going to be uh, doing a little charity event between all three of us that we can talk about at the end. But now we'll segue into the Valero Alamo Bowl, which we already said, but Arizona is minus three and Oklahoma is 62 and a half. So Rufus, what do you make that? Yeah, my number is so far off there. Um, and my number is so far different between the prior number and the no prior number. So the no prior number is um, Oklahoma minus three with prior Oklahoma minus 11 and a total of 68. Yeah, I, I was Oklahoma four end of season. I was wrong on Arizona for a, a good, you know, six or seven weeks this year. I actually bet Arizona under their win total. So great bet there. Probably the worst uh, win total bet that I had on the season. They, they, they cashed that uh, in my face before Halloween. So. Uh, good job, Wildcats. But th- there are a lot of op- opt-outs here uh, for Oklahoma. So you have starting quarterback Dylan Gabriel. Now, I don't think this is a huge deal. I think there's some meaning in it. But Jackson Arnold is one of these like young studs that I think OU 100% planned on being the starter in 2024. So I wouldn't downgrade them a whole lot based on the quarterback. But you have to downgrade them on some other stuff here. So starting freshman stud guard Caden Green. He hit the portal yesterday, much to the surprise of like everybody. And his backup was Savion Bird, and he is also in the portal. And then remember, they lost Andrew Anthony after the Oklahoma or after the Texas game. That was their best receiver, uh, so he is not going to be playing. 
And then Tyler Guyton and Andrew Rame are two like legit NFL offensive linemen. Both those guys have already opted out as well for the Sooners. So you're down three or four offensive line starters for Oklahoma with a freshman quarterback now making his debut. And uh, I think defensively, they're largely okay. They didn't have a whole lot of guys who opted out who matter a bunch, but uh, that's a whole lot to lose on the offensive side. Whereas Arizona is down like an NFL left tackle. And we're waiting to see on Jacob Cowling, who's like their stud receiver, but that's a whole lot more firepower to lose if you're Oklahoma. Okay, let's move on to the tax layer Gator Bowl, Rufus. You were excited about it being the Gator Bowl. We can yeah, the Gator Bowl. Part out. It is actually Clemson minus five and a half, and the total is 46 and a half. And I, on this game, I have a, a against Kentucky. Know, have, Kentucky, sorry. I have a, a number that's much closer to the market. And actually, the market was Clemson minus seven at one point. I make the number of Clemson minus seven and a half, total of 44. Yeah, I, I was eight and 42. Um, Kentucky has far fewer opt-outs for this game uh, than the Tigers do. So that, that that's why the numbers come down, in my opinion. So Bo Collins, starting receiver, hit the transfer portal. Toriano Pride, who's one of the better corners in, as far as talent-wise in the ACC, is transferring, I think, to Missouri. Uh, Andrew Makuba, who's a stud starting safety, is also transferring. He's, he's a really good player. And then opt-outs, Jeremiah Trotter, who's one of the best linebackers in the country. Cornerback Nate Wiggins, again, who will be a ESPN mocked him in the first round yesterday in Matt Miller's latest mock draft. And then uh, Rue Carraro, who is one of their better defensive linemen as well. And then we still need to figure out what Tyler Davis, their other starting defense tackle, is going to do. So, yeah, Clemson is down a ton of players on defense. The question is, can Kentucky actually take advantage of this? Because at times this year, Kentucky's offense seemed like they couldn't move the ball against air, right? And Clemson does have a pretty good amount of defensive depth. So I, I don't I don't disagree with the move. I understand it, but I, I don't know. I don't know that the mood needs to needs to continue. All right. Then we're moving on to the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl, which is Notre Dame giving six and a half to Oregon State with a total of 43. Uh, Notre Dame minus eight, total of 51. Uh, again, my totals are probably are, are going to be a little high overall in general just because of quarterbacks being not playing, and I think that's going to bring numbers down more. I, I was four and 48 here. I wasn't crazy high on, on the Irish down the stretch, but maybe I should have been. Like I wasn't betting against them, but I, in hindsight, that Stanford game kind of looks like a layup. Uh, so, I mean, this is going to take like three minutes to list out all the opt-outs. Oregon State has a ton, right? Their coach just left for Michigan State. They're also leaving the Pac-12 conference and are joining essentially the Mountain West. It's like some scheduling arrangement uh, where they play a bunch of Mountain West teams. Uh, so I think both quarterbacks – We'll be out. DJ Uyungle, who's visiting FSU, I believe, uh, this week. And Aiden Childs, who a lot of people think will be going to Michigan State. Uh, so Ben Gilbranson uh, is likely the starter there. He played for them some in 2022 and was pretty terrible. So that's a material downgrade for me when you're on QB3. And we've seen QB3 play before, and he's not. Uh, is is, not... Uh, is Aiden Phillips that, that really athletic freshman they had? Uh, Childs, but yes. Yeah, he was yeah, a guy that they were really excited, and um, he balled out last year in like the All Star Bowl season, and then got there, and they were rotating him in with DJ. So uh, that'll be a great get for Michigan State if they end up getting him. Uh, and then one of their starting safeties, one of their starting linebackers. Importantly, here 
several offensive linemen who are legitimate studs and will probably get drafted uh, are likely to be out for Oregon State. And they, like, again, you can't get rid of priors. I can't divorce myself from my preseason notes. One of my preseason notes was that Oregon State was very thin on the offensive line due to some injuries they had suffered in spring. So now I kind of harken back to that. I'm like, all right, we thought the backups were kind of sketched this year. Now they're losing multiple NFL guys and their coach and both quarterbacks. I don't know how many points Oregon State's going to score here. On the flip side, I don't know how many points that Notre Dame's going to score because Sam Hartman opted out for some reason. I guess he thinks he's like a big-time draft guy. I don't know that I agree with that. Multiple injuries on the offensive line. Both tackles have already opted out. I would expect that their running back, Audric Estime, doesn't play. But they're fairly healthy and like loaded up on defense. So it's kind of in the number. But, I mean, I, I don't see either side scoring a whole lot of points here if they care. If they care, If the defenses yeah. care. Like, you have to show up and, and tackle, right? Because if you don't care on defense, you blow a coverage – it's seven and it adds up quickly, right? But like if they're both motivated, like regular season game, if these were all the injuries, I'm betting under here, no doubt. All right, we're going to take the AutoZone Liberty Bowl, which is Iowa State minus eight and a half, and the total is 57 and a half over Memphis. Um, minus 10 and 56. Yeah, I, I was eight and 51, but I it's hard for me to catch up to just how bad this Memphis defense is. It, it is really bad. And at a certain point this year, I just kind of stopped betting unders with Memphis at all. Just it's kind of kind of hard to get there. So Memphis has two starting offensive linemen out in the transfer portal. Those guys seem to matter quite a bit. But other than that, I think they're everybody else is going to play. And that's a team that normally can score. So if they can, can replace the two starters who hit the transfer portal on the O line, I would expect them to score some. But Iowa State's defense is legitimately pretty good. It's well coached. They don't they allow yards but not points and then really kind of tighten up. In the red zone, they limit explosives. On the other side, uh, remember Anthony Becht, the tight end who played in the NFL for a while? Sure. His son yeah. uh, is and actually the quarterback. Yeah, so his son is Iowa State's quarterback, and he was a true freshman this year and came on down the stretch, played really well, and uh, I, I thought was one of the very best true freshmen in the entire country. So I definitely understand the move here to Iowa State. I think Iowa State has a better class of player. They don't really have any – like opt-outs who seem to matter. Going to watch for quarterback or corner TJ Tampa. He's probably an NFL guy, you know, so we'll see if, if he ends up playing or not. But how much home feel are you going to give Memphis for this? A half, maybe? Maybe one? I don't know. They, they had a decent season, but they didn't make the conference title game, so I guess some people are disappointed. All right, moving on to the Goodyear Cotton Bowl. I like this one because this is the one we talked about. I'll have yep. – they, this this moved a lot to Ohio State, but I mean moved a lot to Missouri, but didn't move too much given the fact that Ohio State still has guys. It's Missouri two and a half, and the total is forty eight and a half. Yeah, I mean my numbers so far off that it is uh, Ohio State minus eleven and a half, with a total of fifty. Yeah, I was ten and fifty and fifty point four. So yeah, almost exactly matching Rufus there. I would think that Ohio State drops tempo a little bit with all these guys out, not, not that they're a heavy tempo team anyway, but typically I think when you're, when you're dealing with that many backups, you, you take a little more time to make sure you got things right, you know, and like just the procedurally, you, you got the call in, everybody knows what they're doing. So guys who I would expect not to play for Ohio state, Marvin Harrison, Jr. Cade Stover, probably safety, Josh Proctor, uh, multiple starting defensive linemen 
and uh, linebacker Tommy Eichenberg, who is pretty good. Now, I believe I saw Mekhek Buka is going to play in the Cotton Bowl, and I think Tyler Williams as well, one of their defensive linemen. So I, I totally get betting Missouri, you know, at plus money, at, you know, t- taking the plus two, plus three, but I, I don't think there are that many more guys for Ohio State who could conceivably opt out, who would move, who who aren't already priced in as likely to opt out, right? Like some people who maybe bet NBA and are just screen watching when it flashes across, you know, Spankos or Donbass or Unabated or whatever, right? Like they'll probably just bet it. Like we saw that today a little bit with, with Coastal and San Jose. Like some people started betting San Jose when Grayson McCall got announced out that he was transferring to NC State. I'm like, guys, he's, he's been in the portal for three weeks. Like this, this is not really the, – the fact that he picked a destination is not news. But uh, I guess there is – you know, there's some room – for this to move more just based on people overreacting to the news. But it, if this did hit three, I think I'd probably consider taking Ohio state. Okay. Moving on to the uh, Chick-fil-A peach bowl, which is Penn state giving three and a half to Ole Miss and a total of 48 and a half. Yeah, um, Penn state minus 10 total of 52 and a half. Damn. That's, that's taking a position. Um, yeah. We've been pretty high in Penn state this year. Yeah. We, we, we bet them pretty good against Michigan state and couple other times. Yeah, I, I I think I think Penn State's pretty damn good. I just their offense bugs me some, obviously. Uh I, I was seven and fifty-four. So I, I'm not super high on Old Miss. Um there are not a whole lot of guys for Old Miss though who are in the portal. What worries me is like there were a lot of guys who were dinged up for Old Miss down the stretch. And I wonder like how many of those dudes will be back and healthy for this game. So this is one that I haven't bet yet. And it's really just one I want to there's no way they started bowl practices yet, right? Maybe they did. It's the 30th, 15. You said the yeah, they're they're they're, they're starting just about like they're they're probably starting today or yesterday. On this one, I want to see like, are the running backs healthy? Who else on the offensive line are healthy? They they lost Pettis, uh, their right tackle, before that Georgia game, and that seemed to matter, you know, quite a bit. Um, you know, how healthy are the quarterbacks? But at Penn State. They lose defensive coordinator Manny Diaz. He's now going to be uh, the the head coach at Duke. Like they don't have meaningful opt outs with the exception of defensive end Chop Robinson so far. But like Kalen King, I think was mocked in the first round by ESPN. I would expect him probably not to play. Just reading the tea leaves. And then Olu Fashanu is probably like one of the top two or three offensive tackles in the country. And so he also could matter for Penn State. But as far as I know. They're not on my sheet so far as having opted out. So that could move a little more when they announce or if they announce. So would you be inclined to bet Penn State here? If those guys are playing, I, I could definitely see Penn State. I don't think Ole Miss's defense is very good at all. No. Okay, moving on to the trans-perfect Music City Bowl, which is Auburn giving two and a half to Maryland and a total of 50. So I make this Maryland minus a half a point and a total of 51. Yeah, I, I'm I'm close to that. Now, Auburn's got some important guys out for this game. Two dudes in the secondary who, who are, are potential starters in TJ James and Simpson. They could opt out. Uh, Harris, one of their top defensive ends, announced that he's going to go to the portal today. And Auburn, they had such a weird finish, right? Like, they totally no-showed the game against New Mexico State and actually lost. Like, not only did not cover, they lost the game they lost on the field like 25, at home. right? <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, that was ridiculous. A lot. Uh, and then they 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 played their their butts off against Alabama. I 
you know, you wonder like how pumped up are they to play in this one, but it's a, it's a, tra- it's a game their fans can travel to, right? Nashville's not that far from where a lot of their alumni live. So I would expect them to, you know, to probably be there uh, and, and show up. Maryland does have a number of starting guys out in the portal and some of these guys matter. So the tight end Deitches is actually pretty damn good. Uh, Deshaun Barham is one of the best linebackers in the big 10. He's already hit the portal. And then I want to see, I think Tarheeb still is one of the better corners in the big 10 is opting out. And Tyrese chambers, I think is going to be an opt out on, on him. I, I have a weird like question mark next to his name on my sheet. So the guys who are out for Maryland to me matter more than the guys who are out for Auburn, but it is hard to know like what Auburn team shows up. All right, moving on to the, this is a complete motivation predict prediction game, right? Which is the capital one orange bowl. We have Georgia giving 14 and the total is 44 and a half to Florida state. I mean, does Florida state, show up trying to prove to people that they belong does georgia care after not having you know th- this is a, a meaningless bo- like i have no i have would have no idea what to do with this game rufus what do you make it okay so obviously we you know um florida state quarterback injury not accounted for in this number or directly accounted for but uh georgia minus nine total of 50 yeah that that seems about right w- w- without accounting for the quarterback injury and before all the opt-outs i I don't know if other team cares about playing in this game. You know, like the idea that Florida State's gonna gonna boycott the bowl game is, is uh, I see that floating on social media. That that's not going to happen. They're, they're they're gonna play the bowl game. They have multiple alumni on on the bowl committee, so that that's they're not gonna do that to them. Uh, but that doesn't mean that they're gonna care about the game a whole lot. And I don't know that Georgia cares, right? Like you win twenty nine games in a row, back to back national titles, and now you fall from number one to completely out of the playoff. There are. A number of guys for UGA who have not announced as being out yet, but I think are under serious consideration of not playing in the game. So I imagine Carson Beck's going to play because most people think he's going to come back. That's Georgia's starting quarterback. I think he's actually pretty damn good. Now, Marius Mims, they're off at the tackle. What freak of a freak. But he's been injured a lot this year. Wouldn't shock me if he just sits out to get healthy uh, for the combine. Center Cedric Van Pran. He's a guy who could have gone pro last year. He came back. I think he's probably proven about as much much college football as he needs to show. Uh, a couple of the DBs, Bullard and Lasseter, are guys to watch out for. But on the other hand, Florida State, I think, has just as many guys who could opt out. And importantly here, Georgia in the 2021 and 2022 classes, right, who are their current juniors and sophomores, they recruited much better than FSU did. Like Florida State's most recent class, their freshman is pretty good, but they were really lagging in 21 and 22. So if this is a game of like Georgia's backups against FSU's backups, and we have similar lack of motivation for the starters, but a lot of the, the backups are getting to play for the first time. I, I like Georgia here. Even at 14, huh? That just seems like such a big number for uh, a game yeah. that you have no idea if either team's going to care or specifically you, you would think that Georgia wouldn't care, I guess. Right. And like there's, I guess, some thought like, hey, Florida State shows up, plays hard, and, and they, uh, I guess they're like the number one team in the associated press poll. So they get a split national title. I, I, I don't think that any of that's realistic as far as the split national title stuff. But if I'm the coach, that's what I'm trying to, to do to motivate my guys. Hey, we still have a chance at the national title. Let's, let's finish number one. We'll see. 
All right, moving over to the Barstool Sports Arizona Bowl, which is going to be on the CW if anyone cares to to find it. Um, Toledo is getting three from Wyoming with a total of 44 and a half. Okay, so I go Toledo minus eight, total of 50. I'm a little lower, uh, but that's just, again, I think the, the difference Rufus and I have with the Mac. Yeah, so this is Craig Bowles' last game for Wyoming. A pretty legendary coach. He's done a great job. I think that Wyoming will play hard to, um, you know, to, to send him out with a win. Toledo's best offensive lineman has already hit the transfer portal, as has uh, Daquan Finn, who is, uh, given the injury situation in that league, like unquestionably the best quarterback in the MAC, and and so he he definitely matters. I, I know Dave Mason had Michigan as the odds-on favorite to get him. I don't think he's going to Michigan, but I think that kind of says the, the level of player that Toledo is missing there. At the quarterback position, there's also a chance that Quinion Mitchell, who's like a legit NFL corner for Toledo, could opt out here. And uh, Wyoming, I don't think they have any meaningful opt-outs here, uh, at least not from guys who are playing deep into the season. So this should be a fairly healthy Wyoming team uh, playing hard and trying to send their coach out with a win. Toledo, a pretty uh, pretty embarrassing loss honestly, uh, to, to lose Miami, Ohio, to Miami, Ohio's backup in, in the MAC championship game. All right. We're going to go to the rely quest. And now we're actually on January 1st. So think about this. You wake up maybe a little bit dusty, get to turn on LSU giving eight and a half to a Wisconsin team with a total of 55 and a half, which is the rely quest bowl. Yeah. Um, my power ratings have an LSU minus 21 with the total of 65 and a half. A little lower uh, on L- on LSU here uh, than Rufus is, but that's just because they've had so many injuries down the stretch. Um, LSU took four cornerbacks in the portal, and for much of, of the final month of the season, none of the four guys were playing. Uh, and one of their starting safeties also uh, had a, I believe, a brain tumor right around Halloween. So I've sent, sent him our best there. So that their secondary has been incredibly thin. Wisconsin, I don't think they have like a whole lot of meaningful opt-outs in this game, but they have had a lot of guys who were banged up down the stretch. I, I've done a lot of work on almost all these bowl games, and I do like LSU's backup quarterback. That's probably the best thing I can give to the listeners here. I, I think Nussmeyer is a, legitimately one of the best backups in college football. Like We've seen him play in some meaningful games. He held his own against Georgia last year in the SEC championship game. But assuming Jaden Daniels, and receivers Brian Thomas and Malik Neighbors don't play, which I don't think has been announced yet, but I can't imagine that they would play in this game. It's a hard game to handicap. I'm not really sure what I'm going to do with this yet. All right, moving on to the Fiesta Bowl, the VRBO Fiesta Bowl. Oregon giving 17.5 with a total of 65.5 to Liberty. Now, these like, I, and I'm curious from a macro perspective and Rufus, you and I could talk about this uh, when Bud's not here. So we don't have to waste Bud, but like, how do we even handicap any of these games from a opt-out and motivation standpoint? Rufus, what do you make this line? Yeah. So Liberty's really overachieved with um, their first year head coach. Um, what's his name, Bud? Uh, Jamie Chadwell. Okay. Um, with Rufus with, gets all excited to like spout some college football knowledge and then doesn't even know the quarterback. The, the I just remember looking into them and why they've why they've you know been so much better than we thought. But with no priors, we make the line minus fifteen. But with priors, we make it minus twenty two for Oregon with the total of sixty nine. Yeah, I was uh, a little lower than that. 
I do think Liberty has some legitimate players. Uh, Liberty, by the way, just for future, they have, I think, more NIL money than the rest of the conference combined. And Chadwell was a stud of a coach at the FCS level and then also at Coastal Carolina. So you kind of have a situation where you have the best coach in the league and also, like, by far the best resources in the league. It's it's probably going to look like what FSU looked like when they joined the ACC in the early 90s. Like, I'd be very surprised if they stay reasonably healthy, if Liberty ever loses like more than one game in a conference season, this was probably the year to get them and nobody got them. So quarterback, by the way, for Liberty is really good for the G five level. And he can't transfer because he already transferred from Tennessee. Like he was a big time kid for Tennessee. Didn't work out there, transferred down and Liberty has him. So at least they have a pretty damn good player at the most important position. But, man, on athletes, this is still tough to figure out for me. I mean, Liberty has played, I think, inarguably one of the easiest five schedules in the country. Right? I don't know what, what Rufus has it as, but they're they're like in the high 120s, low 130s for schedule difficulty. So I don't really know how they're going to react to when they play a team that can run with them and that can really bang with them. Like, just, I don't know. Opt-out-wise, Bo Nix is expected to play in the game for Oregon. So that matters a whole lot quarterback wise, but uh, center Jackson powers. Johnson has already opted out running back. Bucky Irving has already opted out. And then there's a lot of guys here who could still opt out for Oregon. So Troy Franklin guests in theory, Tez Johnson, their other receiver could, but like uh, he, he should probably play. I would think like, I don't think he's that much of a stud to where he needs to be opting out of, of a, a new year six game. And then defensively, but don't you think like, if Nick's if Nick's plays, he probably plays, right? Because aren't they? Like that's what buddies, I'm saying. Like growing up buddies, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like I, I guess in theory you could opt out, but he, I, in my opinion, he should play. But like Jordan Birch, you know, Brandon Dorlist, guys like that, you know, could potentially matter for them a decent bit. Like you know, Troy, Troy Franklin again, he got hurt in the uh, the Pac-12 title game as well. So I, my guess here, I think if you want Oregon, wait. Now maybe that maybe that's wrong because like the the, the groups who are going to bet these power numbers and w- when the limits go up a lot, maybe they're just going to slam Oregon anyway. But I don't know how many of these op- these potential opt outs are baked in, and then we also don't know can we read in the motivation of, of Oregon if they do end up getting five or six or seven more opt outs? Right? Does that tell us something about how much they care in the game? Because like Bo Nix, yes, everybody else, no. I might be inclined to read into that, but this is a tough one to bet because I just don't know. Can Liberty match up on athletes? I, I, we haven't seen them play anybody who really has that kind of skill this year. All right, moving on to the Cheese at Citrus Bowl. We've got uh, Tennessee giving seven and a half to Iowa with a total of 36 and a half. So I'm, I'm a little high on Tennessee here and or low on Iowa. I make it minus 13 and a half, total of 38 and a half. Can Iowa score at all? Mm, clearly not. <laughs> I mean, that's going to be largely the question, right? Um, Tennessee does have a pretty good list of dudes who are injured and or could opt out. Like, I understand why this is lower than it would be in the regular season. But you got to think Tennessee eventually scores a couple times with that offense, even though Iowa is going to gum it up and and whatnot. But I think Tennessee is going to be excited to show off uh, freshman quarterback uh, Nico Ayamalieva as well as uh, as their, their quarterback Joe Milton. I, I kind of like Tennessee here. I just I want to see who's not going to play and, and who's going to play. Because like there is some chance we get a better number if a lot of Tennessee guys opt out. Okay. Now we move on to some games that we might actually care about and watch. Exciting. 
the Rose Bowl, which is Michigan giving one and a half to Alabama with a total of 45 and a half. Okay. I make this Michigan minus two and a half and a total of 44. So end of year, I was Bama half, but that's because Michigan had a lot of guys who were banged up. If if we're counting them back in, I think it's probably like Michigan one. Bama definitely improved down the stretch some, but some of that's narrative too. Like they played a very close game against Arkansas and they easily could have lost, you know, to Auburn and and like their passing game against against Georgia really didn't look very smooth. So I would expect a, a fairly low scoring game here, honestly. Um, between two defenses that are, are legit and have big-time defensive linemen on both sides and, and two teams that have not had a whole lot of success airing it out so far. Do, do you guys think this closes Michigan or uh, Bama favored? I don't, personally, no. Okay. But it just seems that's kind either, of the narrative because the there. Narrative, there's, there, there's enough of a narrative that Michigan is the best team overall. You know, yeah. I mean, the Michigan thing is hard, right? Because we just don't know. They just – we. We don't know how good they are. Alabama has Alabama. You look at the score, their scores at halftime this year against like, I mean, they were losing to some, some bad teams at, at the half and they kind of, they had strong second halves to win some games that, that were certainly more in doubt than they should have been given the talent. The one thing I'll say here uh, that I think might matter a lot. I think Michigan's the best defensive line Bama's going to have seen. And I think Texas would be the second best like Georgia this year does not have the same level of like freaks that they had for the past two years. Like there's no Jalen Carter on Georgia. They're just not quite as good up front. So like maybe Bama can throw it around better on Michigan, but I do not anticipate that Bama's going to be able to run over Michigan. Or if they do, they're going to have to just run the quarterback a lot, which is possible because Milrow is you know maybe the best athlete on the field. But Michigan, I actually think this is kind of a cool angle. So there's a kid named Alex Orgy from Texas on Michigan. And Michigan, if you watch the Ohio State game, they put him in some uh, to run like wildcat type stuff. To me, like, among any team that could play Alabama, he's probably the perfect kid to have run your scout team and simulate Jalen Milrow for three weeks. Because size and speed-wise, he's not Milrow, but he's probably the closest approximation that anybody else out there has among the backup quarterback ranks. So uh, that could help Michigan's defense to see a kid like that you know, for that long going into the game. I have a question though. If we could yeah. do a sliding doors moment, if they overturn that fourth and three at the end of the first half, does Georgia win that game? I think so. Yeah. I mean, the the game really changed on, you know, the continuation success of that drive and then Georgia fumbling the, the end around in their own end. Right. Like Bama really didn't move the ball at all in their final five or six drives. Uh, once Georgia kind of figured it out, and then they they had the the the, the short touchdown. Yeah, I, I as a Georgia fan look at that as the moment where that got them up two scores and sort of changed the complexion of that game. Yeah. Whereas Georgia gets the ball there, there's a there's a reasonable chance they at least tie that game going into halftime. Okay, moving on to Texas giving four to Washington. In the All-State Sugar Bowl with a total of 64 and a half. Okay. I make Texas a four and a half point favorite with the total of 59. Um, I'm Texas six and a half. And I, I've been really high on Texas for most of the year at full strength, but we do need to see if Xavier Worthy is going to play in this game because he is a matchup nightmare for teams. And 
Steve Sarkeesian, the Texas coach and play caller, just spams the hell out of him when he gets a matchup that he likes. If you watched it uh, in the Big 12 championship game, so like early fourth quarter, he gets rolled up on pretty bad. He comes out of the locker room on crutches and in a boot, and Sark, uh, to the sideline reporter, said, hey, his x-rays were negative. He's fine. Again, that's probably what I would say, too, if the committee's evaluating my <laughs> injuries. Right? It's like, everybody's fine. We're, we're, we're all great, you know, just to make sure that I, I maximize my chance of getting into the playoff. Uh, but he does matter. So I don't know that I want to lay this with Texas uh, if they don't have him. That's kind of weird to say, but like he's a receiver to me you know, who really does matter for them. Ryan Watts, one of their better corners. He's an injury watch guy as well, but I don't think he matters you know, quite as much. And they don't have Jonathan Brooks or stud running back, but the backups to me are are fine. Like they're It's Texas. They have a lot of really good backs. Uh, they, they recruit well. So – the main thing for me in this one is Xavier Worthy. But on the other hand, matchup-wise, I kind of like the matchup better for Texas against a Michigan or a Bama. I think Texas is pretty physical this year, unlike past years. And the Texas secondary, to me, is not quite as good as the other positions for the Longhorns. So when I watch that, I'm like, all right, Washington full strength with, with Kalen DeBoer, who basically never loses games ever, they're going to score some points on Texas, I I think because that Texas secondary isn't great. And that's the real strength for Washington. So it's one of those things, you know, on numbers, I do like Texas here, but when I adjust for matchup a little bit less, so you like the total at all in that case, then. Yeah, I, I, I could see over. Yeah. Okay. Rufus, any other thoughts on that? Not really. I mean, I, I, I think under a little more, but on, on that game, but. All right, and assume we get Texas, Michigan. What do we make that? Yeah, okay. I make it um, Michigan minus four and a half. Yeah, I made it Michigan one and a half. You are high on Texas. I, I kind of like them all year. I, I just, you know, I, I think they're one of these weird, like, floor ceiling teams. I think their best is really, really good, but they also don't play at their best quite as often. Who do you like in that coaching matchup with the last four teams that are remaining? Because obviously, like, it's kind of like fun to take some futures at this point. Obviously there's not a lot of value, but like, you know, it'd be fun to take some Texas futures, but who do we like from the coaches of the last four? Literally all of them. I mean, like there's nobody who's gotten to this point where I think, Oh, that guy's just a collector of talent, but he's not a, but he's a poor in-game coach. I guess based on very recent results, you'd have to say, you know, Harbaugh's teams in the playoff have not been very good over the last two years, right? Like they, they lost outright to TCU last year, and then they got crushed by a Georgia team that basically crushed everybody. But again, Harbaugh took his team to the Super Bowl, and he was like, the, the tra- his track record to me it far outweighs the two games that, that they played in the playoff, right? Unless you think the sign-stealing stuff really matters that much, which I, I don't. Rufus, any thoughts from you? No, not really. <laughs> okay. Well, so uh, we're going to be doing this uh, bowl contest. We'll be putting our picks out there for that. We'll be doing a a, uh, a charity competition between the three of us. What do you guys want to do? Like kick in two fifty each, so five hundred goes to the winner's charity. That sounds sure. good for whoever has yep. a better score. And then, uh, uh, if you guys want to compete against us, it's at splashsports.com/slash/btpcfb. And Bud, we thank you for for joining us and spewing some knowledge all around. Uh, any any last thoughts on the comp- on the contest? Are there like in that last batch? 
maybe in that last batch of games, is there one upset that you're going to look at to pick maybe in those last like uh, December 30th slash New Year's games? Yeah, I, I mean, if if this number gets to ten, I, I I could see Memphis winning. Like I, I Iowa State's good, but they're not amazing. That would be you know t- a touchdown you know plus dog winning outright if we want to pick one there. You know, I, I could also see That's... Kentucky beating Clemson, right? Like if Kentucky's offense shows up, they should be able to score some points here with with everybody who's out for the Tigers. Clemson has shown us some ability in the past to not care about bowl games. So yeah, especially when they're they don't matter. So all right. Thanks for joining us, and uh, we'll talk to you guys all again next week. Crunching all the numbers in a simulated system that break down the data analytically driven. Media coverage of sports gambling is pathetic. The bottom line is watered down. It seems like they don't get it. Imagine this episode was brought to you by Splash Sports. You must be 21 years of age or older in Massachusetts, Iowa, Arizona, and Louisiana. 19 years of age or older in Alabama, or 18 years of age of older in other states to enter into a paid fantasy contest. Yeah, rapping rockers, Jeff Ma, Rufus Peabody, crunching all the numbers, Massy Peabody rankings. We're looking for the edge, analytically driven, crunching all the numbers.